Welcome to the Just What I Needed to Hear podcast with Yoga Farm Ithaca, where we teach you how to live the principles of yoga both on your mat and off the mat in the living curriculum of your precious life. Welcome, everyone. It's May 7th. Here we are on Death Talks 4. My name is Daniela. I'm one of the educators and co-founders and directors of Yoga Farm Ithaca, and um, really happy to be here with you. It is an honor to host this series of monthly uh, conversations and workshops around a topic that we don't often speak so freely or comfortably with in our culture. So Death Talks is designed really to bring the conversations around death, grieving, bereavement, dying, um, teaching death to children. How do you be with the dying? Um, recognizing signs, synchronicities, and messages from the unseen world. Uh, best practices around um, death and dying. So, so this evening's conversation and thank you for being here, everyone, with your, with your cameras on. I really appreciate that. And if for any reason you need to turn it off, just let me know in the chat if something, if something comes up. All right. Um, this evening is a conversation about the, the necessary keys for receiving signs, messages, uh, synchronicities from the unseen realm. And... I first just want to take a moment to invite all of us right now to just to simply turn inward, just being present to the gratefulness that we feel for our own precious lives. As Mr. Roger says, the gratefulness and presencing ourselves to all those who have loved us into being in both the seen in the unseen world. Allowing ourselves to feel our breath entering in through our heart center and exhaling from our heart center as we allow the nectar of gratefulness as well as humility. Humility for this precious breath, this life-giving breath that breathes us, welcoming it into our heart center and offering it from our heart center. This breath that gives us life, this breath that sustains our lives, this breath that will be a final exhale at some point in this lifetime. So reverence really is the alchemy of gratefulness and humility. And every single one of us here, every single one of us listening, has been touched and loved into being by those in the seen world in that, that are still with us in the material form, in the material plane, as well as someone or others who have loved us into being, 
who now abide as the unseen realm, welcoming, receiving this next breath long into our heart center and offering it deeply. And once more, inhaling deep into our heart center, gratefulness, humility, reverence, and exhaling long. So some of you here have had an opportunity to listen to some of the previous talks. The first talk was really an introductory talk about how to live your life with and as the awareness of our own mortality and the mortality of others. The second talk then led into how do we honor our own grief and how do we hold space for others who are grieving? And then uh, the next talk were the keys for being with others who are grieving. So this conversation is very much about connecting, recognizing, being open and available for signs and for being participants in events where you need no one else's validation, that there has been a connection between you and someone in the unseen realm. So I first wanna share just a few stories and examples with you, okay? Um, this first one I just heard recently, it was, it was told by the stepfather of Chelsea Christ. She was um, a, a former, I believe it was Miss America. It was either Miss World, Miss USA, or Miss America. Let me make sure I have that correct. Miss, she was Miss USA in 2019. And her father, her stepfather, in his grief, there were two songs by Adele that really allowed him to connect to the energy of grief. Remember how we've defined grief is the natural and instinctive response to change, to a significant change in our lives. And grief is energy that must move. And mourning is the practice of how we express and experience our grief outwardly. So he, he, he deeply had connected to these two songs by Adele. And recently he went to New York City because he, the two of them a few years back had spent a day together and, and she lived in New York City and was a great tour guide. And so he revisited, I think the pizza shop where they had pizza together. And then I think he went to a, their, a, a cupcake place that they had visited together. And there on the corner of, at the cupcake place, was a street artist, a street performer. And so her stepdad stopped and listened. And then he played one of the Adele songs. And he was deeply touched. And of course, now he's on this, he's at the cupcake place because he, it was how he was experiencing, he was expressing his mourning. He was, he wanted to reconnect with Chelsea and um, the uplifting time they had together. 
So there on this corner is this man playing the Adele song. That's one of his, the two songs that is, uh, is an anchor for him, is an anchor, a connection between he and, and Chelsea. And when the song was over, he thought inwardly, it would be wonderful if he played the next, that other song. And the street performer said, hey, everyone, I'm going to take a break right now. And I'll be back in a few minutes. Now, at that moment, her stepdad thought, oh, wow, it would be so great if he, if he would play it right now. And out of nowhere, a man walked up to the street performer and spoke something to him quietly. And instead of the man taking his break in that moment, he said, ah, there's a request out here. I have one more song to play. And it was that second Adele song. And what was most remarkable about this, her stepfather telling the story was a key signature of experiencing a synchronistic event, a message or sign from our beloveds. And that was, he said afterwards, he said, when this happened, I knew. He said, I knew she was okay. I knew I was being given a sign. And he said, I, I so knew that I didn't need anyone's validation of that. So a signature of a synchronistic event, a signature of a, of a message is that you know, you feel it in your whole body. Your body is a tuning fork of truthfulness. It's attuned to truth. And so these are the kind of events that there is a sacredness it is, a, it is such a precious event that they have such a potency that in, on, in many regards, one wouldn't technically need another. It can cure you. It penetrates you that deeply and that profoundly. Here's another example. I was... Um, my mother's caregiver, when I was in my early 20s, I was 21 or 22, I spent a year caring for her. She had stage four glioblastoma, brain cancer. And after she died, I went to, some years later, I went to a retreat, a weekend retreat at Omega Institute. And um, there was a woman that I kept running into. And I liked something about her. And I signed up to do a one-on-one -on -one session with her. And right before the session was scheduled, she was unable to do it. She, she had to cancel it. And it didn't look as though it was going to be rescheduled. So that was that. And, and it, was this, it was so weird how often I kept seeing her. Like I, if I would go down to the beach and nobody was there, she was there. Or if I went into a bathroom really far away, coming in, she was coming out of a stall and no one else was around. So the very last day I'm walking out to the parking lot to leave and there she is. <laughs> and she says, gosh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't able to do that session with you. Uh, 
she said, oh, would you like to do just a few moments with me right here standing with me? I said, sure. And she said, okay. And she turned inward and said, well, I'm very present right now to your mother's, to your mother's presence and energy. Now I told her nothing. I spoke no, to no one this weekend about my mother's passing or anything like that. I didn't have a name tag on. She couldn't Google me. I don't even think Google was an option at this point. This was so long ago. She says, your mother is surrounding you right now with those uh, orange like lilies. Now, tiger lily was my mother's flower. That was her signature flower, right? So this is, this is a... a it had been a significant passing in my life. And this was a, I could feel the tuning fork of my body start resonating and the hair on my arms started moving and my eyes started watering. And she said, um, another thing, she says, she loves, she loves watching when you read your son, that book with no words. She said, she watches from the skylight in his room. Now my son had a skylight in his room and the book that he currently was asking to be read is a story called Grandfather Twilight, which for the majority of the book doesn't have any words. It's about a, a man going to a treasure chest and pulling pearls off a string of pearls, and he holds it up and it becomes the moon. Um, and I think she said a few other things that I don't recall in this moment. I just know that there were, my eyes were leaking. I could feel something um, the reverence of this sacred event happening in that moment. So I get in my car and when I get to the T in the road, turning right would bring me home swiftest. As I start to turn right, I hear the voice of the friend that whisper in the space between the thoughts, turn left. And I'm, I know enough at this point in my life to trust those whispers. So I turn left and turning left is going to make it a half hour longer to get home. So I'm driving down this very long road and there's cornfields, cornfields, nothing. Straight, very long road, safe road for more crying, you know, cry driving and leaking. And I'm just so present to gratefulness. And I'm talking with my mom, which I hadn't done much of at this point in my life yet. Uh, I was apologizing to her saying, oh, gosh, I had no idea you were so close. You were so nearby. I didn't know. And I said, I, I apologize if this sounds selfish. I said, could I have one more sign? Just one more sign. I, I, because I was just, I was new to events of the unseen realm at this point in my life. And at that moment, I turn, I feel my head being pulled and there's a white farmhouse and a big giant sign on the, on the sign, right? I literally asked for a sign <laughs> and there's a sign and on the sign, there's two words and it says Haran, H-O-R-A-N, Haran Farms. And Haran was my mother's maiden name. So more tears, more tears of, of appreciation, of gratefulness. So that leads into, as I was taking care of her, 
while she was um, in that last year of her life, there were a few pieces of artwork she wanted me to have. And this is where I wanna share with you a little bit about the perfection of the design of our lives and how there isn't anything out of place. Um, there were several pieces of artwork my mother wanted me to have. And of the four pieces of artwork, this was the oddball of all of them, in my opinion. These I call the Polish roosters. The Polish roosters are a, a very intricate pattern of paper cutting. It's really extraordinary in, 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 in person, the amount of time and patience it takes to do this kind of work. So Polish rooster, exhibit A. Now, every, after she died, I carted around the Polish roosters and the other pieces of artwork everywhere I moved, everywhere I went. I did nothing with the Polish roosters. In fact, there came a point where I was like, do I really need to keep the Polish roosters? They weren't really my favorite, truth be told. Just wasn't my style. I didn't envision hanging them on a wall anywhere. And at even one point, I... <laughs> I gave them to a teacher to hang in her classroom thinking, ah, they've, the, I've done good. The Polish roosters now adorn a Montessori classroom. The toddlers love the Polish roosters. The, the, the educator likes the roosters. Everyone's happy. And some years later, the Poli I, I get a gift wrapped <laughs> in paper. With a, with a note that says, I know these are very special to you. I wanted to make sure you got them back. And the Polish roosters yet again came back into my life. This kind, courteous teacher, when she had finished her, her, her teaching, she made sure I got the roosters back. Okay. Fast forward, my father, who was a widow, met, mm, let me rewind. While my mother was dying, she kept describing to me a woman she was seeing that she knew my father was destined to meet. My mother and father had been married since they were 18. They spent 40 years together. She was his queen. And she knew she did not want him to spend the last chapter of his life. She died at 59, 58. She did not want him to spend his golden years alone. She thought it would kill him. She said, I, he must meet this woman. She's smaller than me. She has very short curly hair. She described this woman's nature and personality. And it was very important. She said, he must meet her. So fast forward, when my father, um, he had a heart attack after my mom died. He was just so heartbroken. He was scuba diving and had a heart attack while scuba diving. And he had met this very kind woman in a, in a grief support group. They, they married. And I knew that she was the woman that my mother had been describing. And one day out of nowhere, Fran says to me, Danny, you know, I just remembered I have something to give you. I don't know why. I don't even know if you'll like it. And I have something for you. Okay. So this is what, remember, this was what my mother had given me some many years earlier. And this 
is what Fran brought down. Polish roosters. They're slightly different and yet nothing out of place in our life stories. The last story I wanna share is a very precious teacher of mine and friend died. And one morning, a few days after he died, um, the symbol that kept coming to me in my mind's eye was of a single eye, you know, like the, uh, uh, like the eye emoji, not the two eyes that are wide open, just the single eye, right? An open eye. And every time I would turn inward to, to connect and, and, and get present, that was always the symbol I saw. And as I was thinking about this and present to this while driving, I come to a stoplight. And I say, I say to myself, oh, I think I'll get that tattooed on me, that, that, just that small eye. And as I look over, I'm, I'm parked right outside uh, at the stoplight at a tattoo parlor that's called the Hand of Fate. So I drive two blocks onward and I pull over to run into Small Green Star. And I park my car and I, yeah, you, we're at this place of parking, you have to get out of your car rather swiftly because there's oncoming traffic. So um, I got out of my car and moved, walked around the back to go into Green Star. At that moment, I felt my head literally be pulled. And I look to the direction my head is being directed. My gaze is being directed. And under my back tire, I see a little piece of paper sticking out. And I feel the impulse calling me to it. It's tiny, it's like roughed up, dirty, and it's my tire is holding it down so the wind wouldn't move it away. I go and pick it up. And when I flip it over, it's one of those temporary tattoos that you put water on, you know, and then you peel it off. And it's of a single eye. So I share these stories with you and I would not be surprised if each one of you here has had your own experience of signs, synchronicities, messages from the unseen realm. And some of the key factors that are, that are important to, to be aware of, to be available, to receive, first is an openness. The moment an, an event is unfolding and unfolding you, that you relax, that we relax into it. There's a surrendering into a sacred event. There is a surrendering and an opening. And to not allow the mind to come online the mind of doubt or reason while it's unfolding. There really is a full opening and surrender to, to an event when it's happening. There's a, pres there's a present moment abiding as you're going about your, 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 your life, 
moment by moment as much as possible because these secret events only happen in the living moment. What has us miss them, what has us not able to pay attention is if our thinking mind is working overtime. So these the practices that you all engage in, honoring your grief, it, it, allowing grief to move through your bodies, your practices of mourning, when you, your, your soul yoga, all of these practices to honor grief afford us the ability to honor our pain when we are experiencing pain that's around the loss of someone we cherish. And when by honoring our pain, it allows us to be in the space between waves of pain where we can experience the living moment through our senses. The senses and the breath anchor us to the living moment. Signs, synchronicities, events only happen in the living moment. So honoring our grief in the ways that we've, we've talked about in the previous talks is one of the most important practices. Those practices, those six keys are essential so that you're available to be a participant, to receive these gifts, these affirmations, these assurances. And it's through these synchronistic events, these messages from the unseen realm, these co-created events, that we experience where our cherished beloved actually abides. It's, it, it's how we start to make that transition from the form of our beloved that we were used to so we can start to experience their form as they are in the living moment. That's a key to this. It requires a trusting and being present and a, a, a being present to being led. Each one of these stories, there were crumbs where, where each of the participants was led. Chelsea's stepdad was led on this morning journey. He turned inward, asked, how, how do I want to honor Chelsea? Ah, he listened, pause, presence, ask, listen. He listened, oh, I wanna go revisit the pizza shop and the cupcake place. So by honoring grief, by engaging in mourning, mourning is how we express our experience and express our grief outwardly. He went on a quest, an adventure quest to reconnect, to be connected with, with Chelsea. So there's a trust in, in being led. I heard the whisper turn left. It was gonna add time onto my travel, which was inconvenient. I didn't have to go left. It was up to me to choose yes or no. Trusting those subtle whispers, the practices of honoring, attending to our beautiful bodies, the practices of meditation, the practices of contemplation, the practices of present moment awareness, the practice of making sure you stay connected to nature 
make you available to receive these signs and synchronistic events. Those practices have you be available. It's essential when you experience a synchronistic event that you, number one, you trust yourself. You don't allow doubt to talk you out of it. And you be very intentionable, inten intentionable, <laughs> intentional with who you share those stories with. The stories that I shared with you, I didn't share with many people for many, many, many years. And there were much smaller, uh, less obvious synchronistic events that arose that again, I only shared them, share them with those who have earned the right to be in your inner mandala. Those are sacred stories. And those who, are, who have earned the right to hear them from you are those who are not going to come and put water on a very tender little fire, campfire that you've started. I think of these sacred events when they're fresh and new are very much like a, a very tender fire that you are the fire tender of. And you only ask someone in around this tender fire into your inner mandala of your life that you that is entrusted to also attend to that fire. And they wouldn't allow too much oxygen in to blow out that fire. They wouldn't question or doubt or try to rationalize. Okay, that's it's important that who you share these events with, if you choose to, that happen in your lives, that you that especially initially, you only share them with those that have earned the right to hold those stories with you, to carry those stories with you. The, the design of life <laughs> is to crack us open deeper and deeper and deeper into our true nature that is the vastness of both compassion, love, wisdom, which is our power. It is the design of life. It is the design of loss. It is the design of change yeah. to humble us into, like as Rumi says, a thousand ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Life is the great humbler. Change is the great humbler that has the potential just as you described, to bring us into that vastness of ourselves as love. Brought up another key signature that oftentimes precedes a synchronistic event, and that is a, an authentic level 10 out of 10 altered state. When I asked for that sign from my mother, I can count probably friends, I'm almost 50. I think I can count still on just one hand the times in my life I've asked for a sign or something right now. So I use those very, very sparingly. I, it's not like I even have a story around I'm not deserving or you only get 10 in a lifetime or anything like that. I just know 
that if I just casually am like, oh, can I have a sign right now? Right? No, not, no, no, not seeing any white feathers falling or you know, like nothing's happening right now. I, and I was in a little bit of an altered state earlier when I finished writing this talk, it was very present to reverence and gratefulness. Next, next month, we're going to be back um, talking about how we, how do we talk about death and dying with children, with our children or with uh, cousins, nieces, nephews? How can we um, be a, an authentic death educator uh, with children without even calling it that? The, the whisperings that we hear is the voice of the friend in the space between our thoughts Families, this is a lens through, through which many, many of my teachers my, over my whole life, all from many different traditions, all uh, really said the same thing. In that our karma with our families is the strongest. That's what brings us together with families because we have the, most, the strongest, most recent karma with, with, with one another. And we also have strong karma with our with within in relationships. So families have a very strong and unique connection in the subtle world. Um, one of the reasons why I, I, I speak so regularly and off, offer office hours twice a month about uh, Dr. Butler's course, Living in the Truth of the Present Moment, is because much of his work, as the volumes unfold, talk about the connections in the subtle world. Um, and you have to get through a couple volumes of the lessons to get to, to, get to that. <laughs> he doesn't start right out of the gates, right? Set a strong foundation and then, and then start to expose, wow, what's behind the curtain, right? And so these are, um, these are the behind the curtain, um, the, lay the different layers of reality that all intersect. So there's a really, I think it's a great book and you can, you, you, uh, I recommend it all over the place and it's either your cup of tea or it's not. I think the book, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers does a really lovely job of speaking to um, what's behind the curtain and the connections in families and the subtle world. And in the Facebook group, I'll also share some other books that I would, that I would recommend around, wow, family connections and family karma. And how does that work in the subtle world? How is it that we're all connected? I was adopted and my birth mother um, well, it's a really long, like lifetime movie story, but the, but the part that relates to what you're talking about is that when I was five-ish, I used to have this same dream over and over again, where I was, I would say that I'm cold in my dream. And this woman would bring me a blanket and she would comb out my hair. My hair was very, very long. And I would, I would be very sad in the morning. My dad, my adopted dad would, you know, say what's wrong. And I would, I would tell him about that dream. Fast forward. I'm in my early twenties, just after my, my mother had died. My mother, when I say my mother died, she was my adopted mom. Right after she died, my birth mother 
came out of nowhere. She found me, she found me through a television show that finds missing people. Like it was a it's a sense like kind of like a Maury Povichy kind of show, you know. So I didn't meet her through the show. I I we did it through back channels of family in Germany. Here's what was interesting. She spoke she didn't speak English. She speaks only German and my German was not that great. So we had a translator. My godparents were with us at this at our first meeting and she said when she was in the hospital, she was in a, she was in a mental hospital um, because after I was, I was taken from her. She was 17 when she had me and her father put me in an orphanage and said I had died and, and I didn't. And um, then she was in an arranged marriage that was not very healthy and had some other children. Then she was pregnant in a terrible car accident and that baby died. And she just had so much trauma that she shut down. Like she was frozen. She couldn't walk. She couldn't speak. So her, and, and she had so disgraced the family with, with all of her choices that they put her in the mental hospital and they told the, the children that are my half siblings that your mother died in that car accident. So all the family turned their back on her. So she's in the mental hospital and she's determined. This is, I think, where I get my Shakti from. <laughs> She's got, yeah, she's got more juice than like, she's got the juice of an army of women. Okay. Of Amazons. I am not going to rot here in a mental hospital. Pardon my French. She was so determined to get well that it took her either 10 or 15 years to relearn how to walk and talk and do all the things. What got her through was that I would float in her window And I would say, mommy, I'm cold. And she said she would wrap me in a blanket and she would brush out my long hair. So I share that to to, um, speak to the depths of our karmic connections and especially in the subtle world with, with those that we have the deepest bonds with. And deep doesn't necessarily have to mean closer. You talk a lot. There's a deep karmic bond there. Many of my teachers of Kashmir Shaivism and and uh, uh, and speak to if and 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 in the Bhagavad Gita, for example, Krishna says you cannot understand the the, the mind cannot understand the complexities of karma. We cannot just it's not like A then B then C then D and that's karma. That's karmic relations. It's far more complex than that. However, to understand much of our karma with our relations in this one lifetime, we want it involves at least the last three to seven lives. That there's something there's new. There's there, it's all fresh. So the 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 movie uh, Cloud Atlas is a very very interesting movie about the interweavings of of the karma we have with people going three lifetimes. It's 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 very very potent. And you want to watch the credits. It's a three-hour movie. Watch the credits because you'll see how the five main actors in this movie, they each play about four or five different characters such that like in one scene, Halle Berry, I think is like a white man and how they played the the actors. And, And maybe she was just a passerby and said something and that was it. And that was the importance of that intersection in that lifetime is very it's, it was brilliantly done or any wow. stories that may be percolating please feel free to uh, to share in in the death talks group um and to know that you uh your stories are held uh safely 
and compassionately and and in good hearts and in good in good hands. It's such a beautiful conversation. Um, it's such a beautiful conversation, being open to the synchronistic events of our lives. Remember, declare, keep your gaze fixed on what it is you're seeking, what it is you want. Don't worry about the how, that's not your job. Just keep your gaze fixed on what it is you aspire for.